0: Some individuals teach that you should forgive and forget. This teaching is correct within specific guidelines. But did you know that this teaching of forgiving and forgetting can be dangerous if you don't talk among friends about what you did wrong? Without community, you may repeat the sinful behavior. Welcome to the podcast. I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me. You're listening to... Your Daily Drive. This is the podcast where we put our articles in an audio format. The title of this podcast is A Good Reason to Remember Sin. If you want to read this podcast, you're welcome to do that. Go to our website, rickthomas.net. Look for the article under that title. It could be life-changing if you could develop a community that is transparent enough, humble enough, honest enough, competent enough to where you can talk about what's wrong with you. Having somebody speaking into your life is a, it's an amazing privilege. It's something Christians can do because of the power of the gospel. Did you know every year we reach hundreds of thousands of lives globally? This year, we will reach over 1 million individuals with the practical gospel of Jesus Christ. We help these people by providing practical tools and ongoing training for effective living. Through the written resources, like this article here, audio broadcasts, like this podcast, equipping videos and interactive forums, the Lord is impacting lives through this ministry. Will you partner with us to help continue this fantastic gospel adventure? You may donate or become a supporting member of our community by going to our website, rickthomas.net. For as little as $5 each month, you can provide practical tools for hurting souls. If you are a local church, will you support our missional endeavors around the world Whatever you can give to help this ministry will change many lives. Thank you so much. Here's the podcast. Again, the title, A Good Reason to Remember Sin. a An excellent three-step process for you to implement into your life. Here's a, a practical way of thinking about this. Step number one, I sinned against you. So the next time that you sin against a person, you say, hey, I I sinned against you? Number two, will you forgive me for? And then name the specific sin, whatever it may be. Be specific, make it real. Number three, I want you to talk to me in the future about what I did, because I want you to help me not to do it again. There have been many times in my Christian experience where I have been encouraged by my friends who remember my past sins. It is those friends who know me the best. They love me the most, and they want to be with me, to help me stop sinful patterns. If someone is willing to love you, to bring up something in your life, to help you to overcome it, and they want to stay with you, that is a good friend. And these friends remind me of Christ— who knows everything that you could possibly know about me, but chooses to not only love me in spite of myself, but affirms his love by helping me overcome my problems. My wife, Lucia, is the other great example of this idea in my life. I have sinned against her more than any other human, which is why it's imperative for us to talk about my sins So I can enlist her discipleship care, which helps me to stop these patterns. Why wouldn't I do this? I mean, imagine going to the doctor for a recurring problem in your life. And every time you see your doctor, you have to remind him why you're there because he never remembers. A helpful doctor not only treats your problems, but he keeps a record of them, so he can help you in a preventative way. Remembering your past is an effective way to care for you in the future. Now, I know, I understand you're supposed to forgive and forget, and that is true. It is true. As long as your forgetfulness does not remove you from helping the imperfect person from overcoming bad patterns. There are specific people in your life that you want to remember their issues because of the ongoing nature of your relationship with them. I mentioned my wife. It is immensely important to me that Lucia remembers my sins and that she is ready and willing to appeal to me when I'm in those tempting moments where I may sin again. It would be hard for her to serve me effectively if she had sin amnesia, if she was like the doctor in my fictional illustration above, who who never remembered. It's like Alzheimer's. I need for her to know my tendencies. She needs to know my weaknesses. She needs to understand my temptations. Knowing what I do wrong and helping me to overcome those things is one of the most effective ways she can imitate Christ to me. And why not? She knows me better than anyone else. It would be foolish of me to waste what she knows about me by mandating that she not talk with me about the unsavory side of my life. But this is a two-way street. I want her to remember my sin, and I want to remember her sin. I have been living with Lucia for a long time. At this point in our relationship, it's pretty easy to tell when she's sinning or when she's about to sin. Recently, we were running errands, and she seemed to be irritated. Now, you can read into irritated. In fact, here's a good synonym for irritation, anger. Here's another synonym for irritation. James called it murder. She seemed to be a little bit irritated toward the kids. That's James 4 verses 1, 2, and 3. And so I asked her if she was sinning in her heart. Now, the reason I ask it that way is because I, I wasn't sure. I didn't know if she was, and I did not want to assume that she was. And so the best thing to do in a situation like that is just ask. If you see someone bleeding, do you ignore them or you seek to help them? This is common sense. She said she was sinning. She also stated that she was tired and the children were just too much of a temptation. She ended up thanking me for the observation about her. She humbled herself. She repented of her sin. And that was that. Now, suppose I was unwilling to serve her at that moment. How unkind would that be? Imagine the accumulative effect of not helping your spouse that way. She could become an angry old person. If you keep doing the same thing over and over again, like in this case, we're talking about angry, anger, whether it's her or me, well, if you continue in those patterns, you're just going to be a grumpy old man or a grumpy old woman. But also imagine the effect that it would have on the children how they would be affected long term because nobody was willing to love their mother enough to help her now i see this all the time in counseling 10 years 15 20 years too late because nobody talks about it thankfully she does the same for me i think one of the reasons many couples do not do this is because they have a high view of themselves and a low view of sin. Now, biblically, that is called self-righteousness. Self-righteousness is an elevated view of yourself and a low view of sin. If you have a high view of yourself, you're not going to bring up or you're not going to permit people to bring up the things that are wrong with you because you have such an inflated ego. Self-righteousness, a high view of yourself, but also a low view of sin, one look at the cross, imaginatively, as you read the gospel, should be enough to elevate this idea of sin in your life, to give you a sense of urgency to want to get rid of it. The cross should also lower the view of yourself. But unfortunately, many people don't want to talk about what they did wrong. Proverbs 27, 7 says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. We need to get over ourselves. But as we are getting over ourselves, we need to pursue one another with redemptive affection. We need friends who are willing to step up to the plate and love us biblically. Husband, You need a wife like this. How are you creating an environment of grace that is leading her, that is inviting her to speak into your life? Wife, you need that with your husband. How are you leading him? How are you creating that environment of grace to where he can speak into your life? Thankfully, my wife is my best friend. And God has been kind to me to bring a few other individuals into my life who are faithful and loving enough to wound me. Now, this worldview that I'm communicating to you, this, this is the worldview in which we are training our children. They can submit to us, and they do. They submit to us with joy. They submit to us with glad hearts, but we want them to disciple us at the same time. Submitting to a higher authority does not have to negate redemptive opportunities among co-equal image bearers because the truth is we are co-equal. I am co-equal with my children. A wife, for example, can submit to her husband while helping him mature in Christ as a co-equal image bearer. She is both submitted and co-equal at the same time. Children can do similarly. Employees can submit and be co-equal to their employers too. The title of this podcast is A Good Reason to Remember Sin. In Hebrews 10.24, it says, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. I want to focus on that word consider. And I want to give you 10 tips on how to consider the close person in your life or the close people, assuming you have more than one. The vital key is how you bring up to your friends your observations about them. These 10 things will help you to apply the Hebrew writer's advice. Consider how to stir up one another to love in good works. Ten things to consider. Number one, you keep the glory of God as first importance in all of your endeavors. God's glory, whether you eat or drink, you do all for the glory of God. Now that puts it on another plane because it's no longer about you. It's about God's fame. So you keep that as first importance. Number two, you recognize that sanctification is a lifelong process. You're imperfect. You're never going to be perfect. You need community. Number three, you see the value of revealing your life to competent friends. Number four, you invite your closest circle of friends to speak honestly about your life. Number five, you're not omniscient. Perhaps you do not see everything correctly. Number six, you hold your observations loosely because you could be wrong. Now what I'm saying here is that when you do bring up observations to your friends, remember you're not omniscient. And remember to hold your observations loosely. Number seven, you keep the log firmly planted in your eye when correcting someone. Number eight, your sin against Christ Your sins against Christ are more significant than what you observe in others. Number nine, you never bring up another's sins in a punitive way. And finally, number 10, your goal is always to disciple the person, not to hurt them. If you want to talk about this podcast, please go to our website, rickthomas.net. This is titled, A Good Reason to Remember Sin. Talk to us on our forums